The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. I'm your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Doesn't sound like me because I'm fighting a little bit of a cold today, but you're just going to experience a little bit more mellow, um, a little bit more phlegmy me. So it's okay. It's all good. If I have a coughing fit, I have perfect confidence in my guests to take over and run with the show. But um, I'm really excited because I just got back from an awesome event in New York City where I got to meet with tons and tons of people from all different kinds of media and basically telling them all about Stop Raising Einstein. And a lot of them were really, really excited. But, you know, I have to tell you, Parent Nation, one of the stories that sticks out most in my head, and I I met people like, I'm talking big time people, like the Today Show and The View. And, you know, that's all really impressive and amazing. But the the story that sticks out most in my head was had nothing to do with any of those big producer type people. It was another parent who was waiting in line with me in one of the really, really long lines where you're like stuck with a person and you can't get away from them for like 25 minutes. So you kind of like either have to engage in conversation or turn your back on them, which is really rude. And what happened was I got into a conversation with a bunch of other people and we were asking each other what our story is. Why are you here? What are you talking about? And when I said that I was talking about Stop Raising Einstein, about parenting and how I believe that parenting isn't a style, it's a mindset and, you know, children on the spectrum and my son being on the spectrum and not being able to communicate, a man stepped into our conversation and started contradicting everything that I believe in parenting. And he was telling me how wrong I am and how misguided I am and how, you know, my children are going to grow up to be serial killers because I don't beat them according to the Bible and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, dude, here's the thing. My kids are really cool. And he goes, how old is your son? And I said, he's 14. And he said, then you have no idea what your son's going to become. You know, your son could become a serial killer because you don't, you don't, uh, use the rod and, and it says, don't spare the rod, spoil the child and all this stuff. And I'm like, but here's the deal. You are judging me by my cover. You're assuming that, you know, my, my talk and my walk and my backstory and my history. And you're assuming that because I'm this little white girl from Pennsylvania, that I have no idea how hard these parents have it in the inner city and all this other stuff. Because you've all, you've got me pegged and you know that I'm this helicopter soccer mom who's raising this spoiled brat who, like, is going to grow up to, to blow up a school. But here's the deal, buddy. 
you don't know my backstory. I was that little girl who was raised by a single mom on welfare. And I'm not even going to go into my backstory because it's honestly none of his damn business. But here's the thing. I know I'm raising a good kid. And the light bulb went on for me in that moment that said, do not ever judge a parent on their cover. Do not ever walk up to another parent in a grocery store, in a PTA meeting, and assume that you know why they're parenting the way they're parenting because you just know their backstory. Because we don't know squat about what's going on in somebody else's life. So unless they are doing harm to their child in your presence, keep your opinions to yourself. Take what you find brilliant about what they're doing and use that and leave all the other stuff behind because you really don't know what you're talking about. So I'm going to bring some humor into this show now because that's what I'm all about. When I was in New York, I got to spend some time with an awesome friend of mine and go to see, uh, go to see him perform at Danger Fields. And it was the best thing I did the whole time I was there. I don't care who I met. I got to spend time with my friend and, and laugh my butt off. And then I went to sleep and I had the best sleep I ever had when I was on vacation. So I love to laugh. And I also know that this topic of autism that we cover on this show um, and parenting is a very serious topic, but it needs to be fun or else we're not doing it right. That's, that's my thing. Um, my guest today's name is Lynette Louise, and I've been dying to have this woman on my show since March. <laughs> but um, she, is, she has two board certifications in neurofeedback, and she's working on her PhD in um, clinical um, psychophysiology. That's a big word for me to say on cold medicine. I'm just telling you people. So you should be impressed by that. Um, but most, the, the most impressive thing to me about Lynette is that she's raising eight kids. She has six that are adopted. Five of them are disabled. Four of them are on the autism spectrum. But right now, only one of them maintains their label, which is totally intriguing to me. I mean, I have a theory about it, but I can't wait to find yours because you've got like eight times the experience that I have, Lynette. Um, (laughs) She was born in Canada, and I love Canadians because Canadians are crazy like me. So people that meet me think that I'm from Canada because I'm so out there and and fun. Um, I wish Americans could be more fun like Canadians. Go ahead. Write me hate mail. I don't care. I'm saying it. But she calls herself a... (laughs) She's a American, and she has a one-woman musical comedy show called Crazy to Sane. And she does a lot of things that are in alignment with what we do. And like she teaches the basics, and she teaches the necessary information, but she teaches it with fun and humor and play, which is what it's really all about. I don't care how old you are; you still got to keep playing. So, without further ado, I want to welcome my amazing, beautiful guest, Lynette Louise. Hi, Lynette. How are you? Hi, Tara. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. And right at the outset, I'm going to out myself. Tara had me set up to be on her show a while back, and something that never happens. I was being audited by the IRS in my defense, and I missed the show. So right at the beginning, people, I want you to know she's so amazing. Most people won't give you a second chance. They just won't because it's, you know, it's a big deal to just not be there when they call so thank you, Tara. Thank you. I, I love that you gave me a chance to sort of bring something beautiful to your show and make up for what I didn't do before. <laughs> you know, Lynette, being a mom, um, I'm all about second chances. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for my second chance. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't screw it up. No. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Quick. Tell, ask me something important. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Okay. Um, so tell me about your eight kids. No, that's that's too hard. Um, no, 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 it's easy. It's easy because my eight kids are all grown up now. I'm like on to I'm on to raising grandkids that are adults. So um, the good news is that I've lived this story already so many times over that I really have a lot of um, a lot of jewels to hand out to people, a lot of gifts to give. So I myself was eventually um, labeled Asperger's and then then got over that and I had all these children that I adopted and because of the spectrum being smaller and then growing to encompass the the kids that were you know sort of the Heinz 57 diagnosis I only knew that I was adopting two autistic kids but the other two I knew they had things mm-hmm. um, and then in the end that became spectrum kids as well dependent upon you know how they decided the diagnosis would be metered out and then um, a couple of my grandkids were born with, because it's in my family, my niece, my cousin, my, you know, so a couple of my grandkids also were born um, and then started showing signs of autism. So we, we've really run the gamut on this, and the truth is only one is still disabled. And ironically, he's severely disabled, so we don't, you know, we don't have the answer. After all that, um, there isn't a uniform answer that works for, for every place on the spectrum. There's just sort of ways of teaching and learning and growing and healing. And if you're high-functioning enough, that means you pop off the diagnostic uh, spectrum table. <laughs> right. right. But, um, but Dar's, you know, Dar's just, we're excited that he's talking clear enough today. You know what I mean? We're in that place with him where it's like, oh, look, it's a clear talking day. Wow. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I can understand and we, and, you. you know, pardon? I can understand you today. That's awesome. Yeah. My husband and, says I mean, that. And it's so exciting. I remember it wasn't but like four years ago when we were excited that he could put his underwear on standing up. He didn't have to sit down to do it. We all ran around. Dar's oh, putting his underwear on standing up. <laughs> You know, and so I tend to be talking about Dar a lot because he's the one I'm actively always working with, and he was so damaged and so low functioning, and he was so abused before I got him. Oh, so, poor darling. Yeah, no, seriously. And so you never know, like, you know, what started what, chicken or egg, and it's irrelevant. And right. so I tend to talk about him a lot, but the truth is, the other guy's stories is the story, you know, really of hope that that says, you know, unless you were locked in a closet for two years. Like Dar was and and malnourished and beaten, there's a really good chance you're going to be able to um, to heal up, you know, really change your story quite a bit. Yeah, that's amazing, and that is definitely something that we're going to get into um, in the next segment because it's it's so amazing how you say, you know, it is a spectrum. And people are so eager to say, oh, that doesn't look like autism or, you know, you can't you can't possibly look at another human being and know what their diagnosis is by looking at them. Well, that's not true. I guess you could look at someone with Downs and say or you can look at you can look at an autistic person standing on the street corner on his toes, wiggling his keys, going, whoa, 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 you have a really good guess. Exactly. Or that could just be me, you know, <laughs> or me. But that, oh, I had, did have a diagnosis. That doesn't count. No. <laughs> so seriously, I, I said that because I was driving down the street and I could just see the feet and I thought, geez, that looks like autism. And so I poked my head, head up and there he was with his keys and he was wooing. And I thought, oh, hi, buddy. Hi. Exactly. Nice to see, nice to see you out and about. So, in, you know, if our behavior tells. But I, I used to say about Dar, even Dar, the lower fun, lowest functioning one, I'd say, man, in repose, he just looks 
like everybody else. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And, you know, when we were on, um, we were on the Today Show with my, my youngest son who has Asperger's syndrome. And I wrote a blog about our story because we went through an ABA therapy um, with our whole family. And it was amazing the hate mail that I got after we were on that show. Can you even believe that? But people saying that child doesn't have autism. He doesn't look autistic, you know? And I was like, I, I said, I wrote back to the one guy, dude, if you can diagnose it by just seeing it on TV, you should write to Autism Speaks because they could really use your talent. <laughs> Especially but, TV, my gosh. Exactly. You know, the thing that everybody does where you go through the pictures and pick the most normal looking one, that's what they do. Exactly. When we come back, we're going to talk about what is an autism spectrum disorder with Lynette Louise. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Friends and family speak the same spiritual language as you. Are you ready to embrace the life you truly desire? Are you ready to find the courage to listen to your intuition, embrace your ancient wisdom, and live an authentic life in joy? Join Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, Fridays at noon, Eastern Standard Time, on the Angel Radio Network, as she ignites the conversations you're longing to have. Grab a cup of tea, tune in, and finally find the answers you're looking for and the path of happiness you seek with an hour of Dishy Talk Radio for the Spiritually Hungry with Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, here, Fridays at noon, on the Angel Radio Network, changing the world by enlightening the world, one radio show at a time. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better, forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve, and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children, in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Welcome back to the show. We are being joined by Lynette Louise today, who has an awesome one-woman musical comedy show called Crazy to Sane. And she's also the author of a book called Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. Lynette, before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, identifying people 
being able to identify kids on the spectrum and that sort of thing. What what is like what do you consider an autism spectrum disorder? You talk about it a lot on your show, but what does that mean to you? You know, it's I love one of the things that just happened with the DSM-5, which for people that don't know is a diagnostic manual that's created in order to decide what behavioral components you'd have to have in order to meet a diagnostic uh, label. And, and new ones come out periodically. This is the fifth one, and it's kind of lots of controversy around it, and they're kind of silly. But um, one of the things that I really like about it is they included sensory disorder. And I've never myself met an autistic person that doesn't have some kind of sensory confusion. So let's start with that. Um, to be on the spectrum, you really would have to have some, whether it's a visual component where you're seeing things wiggle or or colors where they shouldn't be, or maybe you smell, you're so, your sense of smell is so strong and striking you can't stop sniffing everything, or mm-hmm. um, your skin, your skin feels numb and you need to hit it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, so a lot of the behaviors that people see is just the problem with the sensory system not being properly integrated. They might possibly hear sound really quiet like this, and, you can't, and you're reaching, and then all of a sudden it's really loud like that. So yep. you're living in, in this kind of cacophony of, um, of sensory confusion. And then on top of that, you have a lot of other issues that show up. But for us, when we're looking at it and we're diagnosing it, not, I shouldn't say we because I'm not legally able to diagnose, even though I can always spot it. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, so to, to diagnose it, you'd be looking at it and you'd say, okay, they have the sensory component. Do they also have the component of doing a, the same behavior over and over again? And a lot of people understand that as something OCD-ish, you know. So it doesn't have to be that it's um, an OCD-type behavior, though. It can be just a repetition in, like I was about wiggling the keys. Maybe they wiggle the keys and wiggle the keys and wiggle the keys and wiggle the keys. Or maybe they have a bigger circuit that they do over and over again or a subject they like to talk about, but they're stuck in it. Whatever it is, they love it so extremely we can't even relate and we're jealous. And we wish we could love something that much. So we tell them not to. Exactly. All right. So so you've got your sensory thing. You've got your repetitious behavior. um, And then you need to have a social difficulty and a communication difficulty. So let's go to communication. It can be everything from complete nonverbal, not even able to control your hands well enough to type anything or do proper signing, so totally nonverbal, to talking about, uh, you know, physics and the law of thermodynamics over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and that makes it a communication problem because you're stuck in that communication in a repetitious way. And then it says social difficulties. And I'm thinking if you have all that, mm-hmm. most likely you have some social problems. So yeah, it's no kind kidding, of a right? given. <laughs> like we're not going to skip over all that stuff and be like, yeah, that's perfectly normal. Like, of course, you have social problems. But in addition to just the natural result of those social problems, there's a logical understanding of, and again, you know, a lot of it falls into sensory or communication, but it it just makes it hard for you to understand um, a joke sometimes or um, like you use the word, the phrase. It, uh, sticking sticking out in my head, and I immediately visually saw something sticking out in your head and went, Lynette, that's silly. I put it back inside. <laughs> 
<laughs> I went, okay, now she means the phrase. So every once in a while, even I still go through the that translation period. So, you know, you can you can imagine if somebody has all of these things, whether they have them in a small way each or a large way each, you're still going to be having a challenge living and going to school and doing all the things that have to be done. And so the spectrum is very similar to a cold. I don't know why we act like autism is the only spectrum disorder. Every single thing in the world is a spectrum. So... If you have a cold and it's just a sniffle, like you're a little phlegmy right now, that's mm-hmm. the you know that's the top of the spectrum. You're going to get better really fast. But if you have pneumonia and right. you're in the hospital on death's door and can't get oxygen into your lungs, you got a shot at not making it out. So, mm-hmm. so that's a spectrum, and it's all the same thing. Well, you can say that of Downs. You can say that of autism. You can say that of humanity's a spectrum disorder. Absolutely. You, can say that anything, you know. So but that's what the spectrum of autism is. It's these very fundamental issues being very, you know, given to the person um in different varying degrees. It's so amazing that you say that. First of all, I find it funny that you mentioned something sticking out in your head because that's one of my son's biggest issues is when I say things, he takes everything so literally to the nth degree that I have Mm -hmm. to be careful of what I say to him. Like when I remember when he was little, I walked into the living room and he had spilled milk and he had like rubbed it into the, into the rug. And it it was just like this tremendous mess. And I walked in and I went, Oh, that's just great. And he looked at me like, really? Cause I could do it again. Like, I thought it was pretty great too. (laughs) No problem. Where's the milk? (laughs) Exactly. Let's do more of that. So, you know, it's one of those things that if you have a child on the spectrum and you don't realize it or you haven't had them diagnosed yet, you don't know if that negative behavior that they keep repeating is because of the way you're reacting to it almost being an encouragement. Oh, yeah, and that you're completely crazy-making for them because um, everything you say, if it's taken literal and you didn't mean it literal, they think you're just either lying or changing your mind constantly or, like, Mm -hmm. talk about a crazy-making situation. In fact, in abuse, one of the things that, you know, when you look at what is abuse, one of the things is called changing history. Well, that's kind of like you're living in a state of abuse, even though everyone around you is kind, because it's like they're changing history. You walked in and said, that's great, but if he does it again, mm-hmm. then you're going to get mad, and he's going to be thinking, what up? Exactly. Just like two yeah. days ago, you told me this was great, and now you're smacking my hands over it? Like, what the heck? Exactly. You know, we- and by the way, your story at the front end, I just... I- just have to say, because um, I can't resist it. You know, you were saying him just making assumptions and stuff, and I was thinking he's making the assumption that the stats on physical abuse leading to physical mm-hmm. abuse are wrong, because the truth is it's the one who beats the child that is more likely to create that. Um, mm-hmm. And we know that from all the stats, and we know that every time we get into somebody's story that's done something awful, there's always the guns were in the house already or mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? Like there's, it's not, it's not out of the blue usually once they start looking. 
Exactly. It's that man had me so angry. And it was all because I said I choose not to use corporal punishment on my children. And then he when he looked at me, he was like, you're you know, I forget how he said it, but he almost said something to the effect of that. I'm abusing my children more by not doing it. And I said, sir, my youngest son is autistic and he has um, he has hypersensitivity to touch. If I were to use corporal punishment on him, that would be like torture. Of course, you, you can now, since he's hypersensitivity to touch, you can just tap him on the shoulder and it's just like some... <laughs> no kidding. And that is absolutely true for him. I if know. you walk up to him and touch him on the shoulder, he's like, why are you hitting me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh, honey, you got no idea. <laughs> and please don't say that in front of the police officer because I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> he does, too. He does. Because his dad, his dad is, well, you know what? I, I have this belief that dads, just because dads do it differently doesn't mean they're necessarily doing it wrong. My husband is more of a hands-on guy. And I don't mean that he he spanks the boys. I mean that if you're using something or picking up something that you're not supposed to have, he will put your his hand on your hand and remove it. Right. That's mm-hmm, the kind of guy mm-hmm. he is. If you're not moving up in line like he wants you to, he will pick you up and move you up in line. Mm-hmm. He's he's not a rough guy. He's just has the physical strength to do it, which I admire tremendously. Well, Alex, because he's so hypersensitive to touch, he'll be like, dad is always hurting me. And I'm like, buddy, right. you have got to stop saying that. <laughs> dad does not. You know, I mean. <laughs> I'll give you a tip. I don't know if your husband's using this, but it changes the sensory system if just before picking up him up, he says, I'm going to move your body now. It I allows the brain to shut that um, hypersensitivity down. As long as he feels, you know, as long as it's not done in anger. If it's done in anger, then, of course, it'll go up. Right. But it's a great tip if it's just, because I do it all the time where I have to move kids. I work with kids all over the world, and I'm like, okay, I have to move your body if you don't do it. So five, four, three, two, one, I'm moving your body now. So... It changes the story. It's it's a great tip. Parents, everybody, just tell them, and they'll ready themselves. It's like getting ready to be picked up. I love that. I absolutely Good. love that. And you know Good. the thing that's the thing that's really funny, Lynette, is I can tell you from from the time he was born, from the time Alex was born, he was the baby that he was crying when he was being held. When he was laying on the bed, he was asleep. He was calm, he was fine. As soon as someone strange would pick him up. He would cry incessantly. I think I knew right then that there was something unique and different about him that was going to be bigger than just, yeah. you know, typical different yeah. baby stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really amazing. But he is doing we're, he's he's making such tremendous progress um, into his diagnosis. Like he's becoming this really independent um logical thinker and Mm -hmm. because we've learned how to communicate with him we're kind of all growing in the same direction which i absolutely love because i know that you have a big um you have a big um i have medicine head so you know jump in at any time Um, (laughs) your play therapy the the way you're working with kids to kind of grow into or grow out of their autism Right. Well, um, you know what I think is you go where the, wherever someone is. It doesn't matter if they're schizophrenic, if they're bipolar, if they're autistic. You go where they are and you start guiding from there. And the, the, 
the unfortunate thing when it comes to the world of autism, and I have some, you know, things that I find very unfortunate in the way that we treat the kids. And to me, we're one gonna, of the most unfortunate we're gonna go is, to tunes. We're, we're going to go to our break now. Is that something that we could, we'll expand I'll on? I'll just that? give you a one-liner. They, they stand there and say, you have to come to me, and then we can talk about it. I love that. Oh, my gosh. When we come back, we're going to talk a lot more about that. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Do your friends and family speak the same spiritual language as you? Are you ready to embrace the life you truly desire? Are you ready to find the courage to listen to your intuition, embrace your ancient wisdom, and live an authentic life in joy? Join Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, Fridays at noon, Eastern Standard Time, on the Angel Radio Network, as she ignites the conversations you're longing to have. Grab a cup of tea, tune in, and finally find the answers you're looking for and the path of happiness you seek with an hour of Dishy Talk Radio for the Spiritually Hungry with Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, here Fridays at noon on the Angel Radio Network, changing the world by enlightening the world, one radio show at a time. Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are being joined by Lynette Louise, who is the author of Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. And she also has her own uh, podcast called A New Spin on Autism, Answers, (laughs) which I love because we always get so much critique about it, but uh, very rarely do we get answers, I'm finding. You know, everybody's willing to, t- <laughs> right? You know, everybody's so willing to tell you what you're doing wrong or, you know, how you're wrong and, you know, everything that you're, uh, uh, it's crazy. I said, I wrote the other day, if we spent as much time um, getting to know our kids as we do getting to know their diagnosis and how they got 
sick or how they got, you know, autism to begin with, we'd be a lot better off. No kidding. Absolutely. In fact, that was a choice that I made early in with my kids. I thought I could fight the political fight. I could fight. I could do all that, the why, 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 or I could just roll up my sleeves and get busy helping. And, And that was the choice I made. I actually stepped aside from all of the you know, the arguments, I ducked and weaved the whole time because I was doing it different. And thank goodness, because it's, uh, for the most part, works with the kids. So um, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Get to know your kids. Um, can, okay. can I revisit something that we were talking about before, just to close Please. it off? We were, we were talking about corporal punishment. And to me, I think this is a really great, I like to give gifts that parents can grab onto. So one of the things is, Corporal punishment, it's, I, don't, I don't judge it when I go into a home. I go all over the world. So many cultures that I go into, that is how it's done. And, and you know, sometimes like when I was in Uganda, they, for the show that I'm doing on the Autism Channel, they have the children kneel to the parents. And, and so, like, there's every style out there in the world. And the way that I address it is corporal punishment is what you do when you run out of ideas. Yeah. So if you find yourself spanking your child, no point in guilt, no, don't beat yourself up, none of that, you know, and if, even if it's culturally acceptable to spank mm-hmm. your child, don't justify it. You ran out of ideas. So that night or later that afternoon or while you're in the bath cooling down, run the scenario in your head. Once you're calm, mm-hmm. run the scenario in your head and come up with, them other ideas. Play them out. Visualize them. Imagine them. Taste them. You will have those ideas ready for you next time. Yeah. And I think the most important thing that you said there is write them down. Write them yeah, down. And play it, yeah, everything. Play it out. See, and then rip it up in case somebody's going to look. No. <laughs> right? Yeah, because you don't want anybody finding that diary. But <laughs> Okay, so, and I, I'm I, sorry, but I, I just wanted to, because I thought this is something that I often have to teach. So It is, and it's so true. And, you know, Lynette, I think the thing that we need to realize is, if I did choose to do that with my child and a lot of the a lot of the parents that I were I work like more in a social work type setting and it what you're saying is absolutely true in that we're doing the best that we can with the information and resources we have available. Right. So don't there's no need to defend it if someone is willing to open up other ideas to you. Right. We're not asking you to defend it. We're just asking you to try something different and see if it works. And if it doesn't, what's the worst thing that happens? You tried something different and you got some more information about your child and yourself. So stretching is uncomfortable, but it's important. Yeah, It's so important, especially for these kids. You know, I believe that a lot of the increase in diagnosis is awareness. Oh, yeah, awareness and a, a change in it. But, you know, and also uh, I could tell you stories of kids that I've gone in and I just say, well, your child's not autistic. Right. Except for the fact that some early intervention kind of made them that way. So that's something to talk about, too, and it's a, it's an issue. I'm running into it quite a bit. So there there is on the edges of this huge number, there is all of that. But there's also the fact that it's increasing. There's no denying that it's increasing. It just is. Mm-hmm. Um so, of course, as it increases, there's people that used to be ADHD, now they're called autistic, or people that used to be OCD, now they're called autistic. Like, you know, you'll capture on the edges, you'll capture um, different people, and, you'll, you, you know, they're making the spectrum bigger anyway. So, um, but, but still, the core of this has grown tremendously. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I can identify, I have ADD. And when I was a kid, I had ADHD. Now I just have ADD. So it's, you know, it's something that I've grown out of the high energy part of it. I've grown out of the inability. It's called growing up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's so true. But yet I still have the flight of ideas. I still have um, retention issues. Um, I'm still that kid who can't. I, uh, that kid. Isn't that funny? Yeah, my inner <laughs> child still can't sit still. Um, and I always tell people I'm a stander. You know, that's that's just my thing. They're like, oh, have a seat. No, really, I'm a stander. I'm good. I'll let me go. Um, but, I mean, even things like I have restless leg syndrome. Mm-hmm. They're finding mm-hmm. that that's a neurological disorder. Yeah, I fix that all the time. Um, so I use neurofeedback when I work with families, and I had restless leg too, and I was very ADD as well. So you know, once you're like that, then then you have to stand or walk or mm-hmm. push on your legs or put them up on the wall or whatever. It's it's really um, you know stimulants often work for that, but I use neurofeedback to change how the brain is functioning and get it into balance. And restless legs pretty easy if you want some help with that. I just think it might be interesting for you to know as well, all the homes I go into, unless a child is adopted, um, you always see uh, at least one of the parents will have one of these milder diagnoses like ADD or, um, or bipolar or OCD or, or, you know, depression but you know cause cause could be the problem of, of dealing with a special needs child it's true but i doubt it um so just to know that 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 it's sort of when they say that it's genetic there certainly is that sort of pooling of the disability it's it's really interesting to watch it's amazing isn't it yeah. Oh, and we, you know what? We never revisited what we went to break on. <coughs> One of my issues with the teaching and the way that they deal with autism right now is that they stand there in their quote-unquote neurotypical space or normal space and say, okay, this is what it is to be normal. Now I want you to be like that. Yes. So you're moving your hands, put your hands down. You're moving your feet, put your feet down. Uh, you need to make eye contact with me because I'm making eye contact with you. you know, like they just look at what normal is and they try to force this child to behave as if, behave as if, behave as if. And there's some real benefits to that. But, but the problem in my book is that while the child's trying to behave as if, they're often very uncomfortable. So keeping my hand, like think of your restless leg syndrome. If you Mm -hmm. are not allowed to stand but have to sit and keep your legs in the right position according to them, like for myself, I can't sit on those high stools, for example, and be comfortable. So if someone makes me sit on a high stool for an interview for a television program or something, I am not going to do the job for them that I'll do if I'm comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. A piece of me is dealing with my legs the whole time. Exactly. Right. So we're doing this to the kids all the time. We're going, and, and a piece of them is dealing, and if their sensory system's bad enough, they will become violent at some point. And then everyone will say it was the child and it was because mm-hmm. we weren't tough enough, but in fact, we were too tough. We yes. didn't factor in what they needed and allow them to help themselves. 
And if you need to put your legs up on the chair and wiggle them while you're talking, you go for it, boy. Mm-hmm. We didn't do that. Or I do, but, <laughs> you know, in the traditional way it's, it's taught. And so we can get someone looking all like a nice package. But as soon as they get big enough to take control back, they do. Exactly. Was, oh, my yeah. God. Thank you so much for bringing that into the space. Because I'll tell you what. Oh, my God. Lynette. Let me just tell you, I and I'm sure that there are a ton of parents listening right now that can totally relate to this. So you get your child to comply with this rule, okay? So now they're complying with that rule and they've gotten used to it and they've got they've mastered it. And we're ta- let's talk about IEPs here. So they've they've achieved, right? Oh my god, right? So they've achieved that IEP goal, and now we're going to move on to the next thing, okay? So they've mastered that IEP goal. Kudos. Good job for you. You complied for three out of four assessments, and now you can move on to the next thing. Well, you know what starts to happen? We start to forget the fact that they had the problem to begin with, and we expect too much of them. We expect them, once they've achieved these goals, we've expected these goals to make them normal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so perfect example. The other day, my son, my son started school being the kid who throws the bookshelves across the room and like throws the desks up against the the wall. Right. That was my kid in the beginning of his school career. You know, if anybody got within three inches of him, he was punching them. That's Mm -hmm. what was going to happen. He's so hypersensitive to touch and sound and smells. It's crazy. So now that same kid is in the middle school in sixth grade. Okay, he started out being in a specific um, learning support classroom, special needs classroom. Right now, he's mainstream. He's getting to his classes on time by himself. Right. He's taking his books with him, whatever. He's standing in line waiting to go into a classroom with the rest of his class. Are you already feeling the importance of what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He is standing in line with the rest of his class waiting to go into a classroom. One of the other teachers walks up to him and says, are you chewing gum? I know. Okay, A, chewing gum is one of his sensory accommodations. Let's just put that on the table right away. B, they just came out of um, testing, the the standardized testing, in which they're allowed to have gum because apparently they could sit, sit on their heads on a beanbag chair while they're taking those tests and they don't care. But then for the rest of the year, they can't do anything. So right, right. He's, they say, do you have gum? He says, no. They start berating him. You have gum. You need to spit out that. Tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. They escalated him so to such a level that he excused himself to his de-escalation space, and then he got in trouble for walking away and disrespecting the teacher. Oh, my gosh, a PTSD being me. The only time I ever got the strap at school was the exact same circumstance. <laughs> oh, my gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> One story. Oh, my God. I remember they said, you know, what, and and maybe he owns some of this, too, because, like, for example, the the teacher's, like, telling me about, you know, spit out your gum. I'm like, I don't have any C, and I stick out my tongue. Oh, you stuck out your tongue at the teacher, Lynette. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, we're going to talk about how stand-up comedy helped you successfully uh, raise your children on the spectrum. self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. 
you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children, in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Nation, we are in the final stretch of an awesome show with my guest Lynette Louise. And Lynette, before we uh, get into our conversation, I want to make sure everybody has, you know, the easiest ways to contact you and get in touch with you. So, could you share that with the audience, please? Um, sure. LynetteLouise.com is the easiest way, and then because it's easier to remember, it's my name, LynetteLouise.com. Um, and then you can link over to Brain Body if you want or read about autism and all the various brain therapies. Um, or you can find me on Facebook or Twitter or any of those things. Just Google me. It's pretty easy. Um, and I do want to put a shout-out to the new show I'm doing. I travel around the world with cameras um, and work with a, five different families for five days, and whatever happens, happens, and so far it's amazing. And So we've done Uganda, we've done San Francisco, we've got the Uganda One app already, and it's on the Autism Channel. So you need a Roku box at this point, but uh, that'll change soon. Absolutely, I'm going to check it out because I have Roku. I think you'll love it, actually. Please I watch can't it. wait to check Please it Please watch out. it and tell me what you think. I will, absolutely. And is there anywhere that I could go to give, like, a... Do they have, like, referral, like, uh, testimonials Comments and all that stuff? and stuff like that, yeah. And you have a radio show, too. What's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's new, cool. So it, It's a new spin on Autism Answers, as you mentioned before. And, then, again, you can just Google that, but um, it's on Web Talk Radio. Cool. 
That's awesome. You know, we just believe in supporting the village and rebuilding that village because, you know, we've gotten to the point where we're so afraid to be judged, blamed or shamed for our parenting that we started parenting on an island and we were really meant to be a village. So, you know, I I just love supporting people who are doing it right and, and offering support and guidance without judgment. And that's exactly what you're doing. And you're putting the humor spin on it, too, which, it, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. So thank you so much for everything that you do, Lynette. I, I want you to know that I truly appreciate you. Oh, so thank you. Thank you for saying that because it's killing me financially. Hopefully it'll bounce back <laughs> at some point. I just make money and pour it in, bank money, pour it in. <laughs> exactly. That's what we do for the things that we love, you know, like that's our kids right. and our our pets, right. you know, just yep, that's right. dump all our that's money right. into it. Yeah, that's so true. you that's have this true. thing of all the therapies that, that are out there for autism and there's a bazillion of them, you know, everybody's got their idea. And I just have to say one thing. I am normally very quick witted and very intelligent and being on head cold medicine makes me feel like I'm in a fog. It makes me stumble over my words and I can't stand it. And this is exactly why I cannot medicate my kid. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, if he's no going to say no, stupid shit and, 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 and he's going to say off-the-wall things and people are going to be embarrassed by what a, a kid says and, and own that, that's their problem, not mine. I need my kid to be a free thinker. I need to be able to, he needs to be able to think on his feet and he needs to understand and be comfortable in what he's thinking and feeling and saying. Yeah, well, not only that, but most of the meds don't work very well for autism anyway. So it's, your children are, for the most part, little lab rats. They're being experimented on. Now, occasionally, there's a good mix for somebody. Sure. But in general, um, it's really just about experimentation, and they're trying to figure it out still. So mm-hmm. I don't mind people trying to figure it out because that's how discoveries are made, and that's how things are, happen. But I don't really want them figuring it out with medicine for the brain on my child. So right. um, that's, you know, that's a, a big thing. That, that's sure. something and, to really care about. And there are kids out there that absolutely need it. I'm not saying that there's no one out there that needs medication. Of course there is. But not everybody and not for everything. If the problem is that your kid can't sit still and isn't completely compliant with all of your orders and demands, that's not medicatable. That's oh, understanding. No that's not medicating. Exactly. So, so are we going to talk about stand-up comedy before we go? Because that medicated me, actually. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So it's just such a wonderful concept and was such a great discovery for me. Well, first of all, I had a lot of kids to raise, and I kept getting married, and they kept going, oh, wow, the kids stay autistic. I think I'll leave. So it, it, just, didn't, it just didn't work out for me. I'm like, oh, save me, marry me. Oh, goodbye. Oh, save me, marry me. Like, you know, so I went, okay, I'm going to do this baby on my own. How am I going to do it? And I happened to see an ad for a stand-up comedy. I go, I guess I'll do that. So I get on stage, and I discover that I don't know anything about what other people think is funny, that I'm just a shock value kind of person, and the things that I find amusing are not what other people find amusing. And ironically, I felt like I'd found my people, because all the comedians are a little crazy. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I'd found a place where I could do some self-discovery and maybe make a living at the same time. And it turned out that my wackiness was just enough to win a couple of good comedy awards. So it was like, okay, so sometimes I'm funny if I can just capture why that was, because I have no idea. So, you know, because then other times I'd stand there and the audience would just look at me like, how long is she going to be up there? Because I'm getting really embarrassed. And 
I found myself constantly going. I'd be out with the kids, and I'd hear people laugh at a different table. I'm like, what was funny? What did you guys do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my mother. Oh, my mother. So, anyways, I found my way through this. And what was so fantastic about it was I got all my social skills from it. I was able to stand on the stage. Everyone else had to shut up and not all talk at me at the same time (laughs) and give me a chance to figure out what made them react Mm. and when I'd gone too far and when I hadn't gone far enough and what their idea of an exaggeration was and what they related to, which was nothing I related to, by the way. And so it was a wonderful, wonderful place for discovery. However, I have seen people try to take children and and put them in this stand-up arena in order to teach the same things, but then create a friendly audience that laughs at everything. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, you just undid the magic. Yeah. The magic is the permission to figure it out. (laughs) It's so true. Don't laugh when it's not funny. Oh, God, no. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so so it was it was a wonderful tool for me. It, it you know it paid the bills. I met some great people, and I learned how to be socially appropriate from it. Of all the ironies, who would think that a bunch of comedians could teach you to be socially appropriate? And I learned how to speak on stage. I mean, it just was really really wonderful. I passed each of those every time I'd learn something. I'd run home so excited, and I'd share it with the kids in their language, in their way. And so we found, you know, we found a way to sort of grow together. And it was really awesome. I love that. I think it's really important that you mentioned that you went home and shared it with the kids in their language, in their way. Because what that tells me is with eight children, you recognize that each one had their own language in their own way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was kind of unavoidable. I mean, one didn't talk at all. One only repeated everything you said. Another one. Exactly. (laughs) It was unavoidable. And you get to where you you go, okay, an analogy. What's an analogy that you can learn from? Because I like analogies. And I constantly was teaching my kids um, via analogy. So we did things like, okay, we're in a room of poisoned people because that's how my son thought. Okay, and you don't want to be touched. Well, if you watched us, it looked crazy, but I knew what I was teaching. (laughs) And so I would find their language, and I would teach that way. And then I had a son who was really data-oriented, which I'm not, and that really stretched me. Wow, yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah, really stretched me. But, you know, then I learned. Exactly. And that I love that it's a constant learning process. You yeah, know, it's not just like, okay, well, these kids are in my house, so they have to be raised to be just like me. It's a matter of, you know, finding out the unique brilliance, which is what everything that we talk about, finding out the unique brilliance in each kid. Right. You know, right. And, the, and it's, that, that is they, they can have a sense of humor. Stuff. They yeah. can have a sense of humor and still not have an understanding of... Um, sarcasm. I think oh. that's something that we forget not to. Sarcasm and puns and, you know, just 
usage of words unusually. Innuendos. Um, oh my God, so much, yeah. so much, so much. Yeah, no, it's it's really super, super important. And I love that you say that about finding their own unique difference because that is how I got the kids off the spectrum. I figured out each one of them what they were motivated by. I piled all their learnings around that and, and then got rid of everything in the educational system that didn't apply to what they needed. So, for example, my one son works on the pipelines. He has for years. He owns a truck. He owns a house. He's got lots of friends. He runs a crew. Um, he was definitely the labor hand type. And so mm-hmm. I, I knew that. His his gift was he was the hardest worker ever. So we didn't bother with thinking that he needed to learn physics or he needed to learn even high-level math. He just needed to be able to balance his checkbook. He needed to be able to read well enough. You know, you have to go... What is necessary and teach that and create a, an independent person because then life takes over. Oh, my once gosh. The, I you love know, once that. life takes over, then they learn more and more and more, but they're living independently. They have this beautiful self-image that they're capable. I mean, I looked at his Facebook page recently, and I thought, there's no spelling mistakes. And... <laughs> He was bragging because he'd gotten all these A's at his work on these certifications he'd done. He goes, I'm feeling pretty smart. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, it was really wow because he was diagnosed retarded. Um, they had fetal alcohol syndrome. My kids were all multiply diagnosed because of uh, their pasts before I adopted them. So to see that, but he's, he's you know, 30. So he's lived since he was 19 on his own, and his journey never stopped. Right. And you know, that's so important. We're going to, we're going to wrap it up here in about a minute. But I think the thing that you're talking about, Lynette, is so beautiful because so often the thing that scares us as parents the most of kids on the spectrum or special needs kids is that they're going to be dependent on us for life. And the fact is, if we can give them, if we can find what's uniquely brilliant about them, foster that, teach them social skills and adaptation based on that, and allow them to thrive in their own greatness, they're not going to be dependent on us forever. I mean, we want them to come back to us because we love them and they're our children. But if we can foster what's already great in them and show them how to thrive as a result of that, instead of, you know, social skills are more important than social studies for many of these kids. I hate to say it. Absolutely. Oh, can I use that line? Absolutely. (laughs) And you have to invite me to one of your shows because I absolutely want to see you perform. Lynette, you have been such a joy to have on the show. I'm so glad for this second chance, and we're all about that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody, until next time, keep playing. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for listening to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Make these Stop Raising Einstein principles your own. Love unconditionally, give freely, laugh openly, learn daily, grow immensely. And of course, listen to 